seated. Well, friends, it's a joy and privilege to be here with you uh, this morning uh, to bring God's word to you. Um, I was here the last time. Uh, when we were here last year, we remember in, in June, and your pastor also invited us again to bring God's word to you. And we are always grateful and uh, thankful to um, his invitation. Uh, and I can say that uh, being invited once again, you know that maybe the last time I did not preach heresy. Uh, but trusting that I was within the bounds of God's word. And so we want to convey our deepest gratitude and thanks to you as a congregation to have us this morning to bring God's word to you. But also to, uh, to say thank you to your pastoral family uh, for their hospitality to us. Uh, they've been much hospitable to us, very gracious to us. Uh, even yesterday, your pastor took me for a run. It was 10 kilometers, but I only could manage 7 kilometers by God's grace. And so I'm very thankful to that. And so whatever the pastor says, we have to do, we are at their mercy. We are living with them. And so we are very thankful to your hospitality and thankful to you all as a congregation. It's good to see many faces that we saw last time when we were here. I think we know a few people um, from last time. We had much fellowship, we enjoyed, I think even from before myself. Uh, we used to interact online through Bible studies and so forth. But it's wonderful to see what the Lord is doing uh, here at BRBC, seeing a number of members, people joined in into membership, are saying to teach that it's good to put the name to the face uh, and others as well. I said even I've got the privilege of meeting some people that I only used to see on television. And so it's a greater privilege. I won't say the names. It's, I won't say the name, but it's a greater joy and privilege to, to be with you. But with that, let's, let's fix our minds now to the Lord, to His Word. Let's pray together. Our gracious and merciful God, we humble ourselves before your throne of grace this morning. What a joy and privilege we have as your people to come at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ to learn from Him. Oh Lord, we pray that as we quieten our hearts and our souls before you, that you would minister to us. Speak, O oh Lord, that we as your servants, we are listening. We pray that you would take your truth, that you would plant deep within us, that you would shape and fashion us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And now we do pray that may your name be exalted, may Christ be honored and glorified, even in the midst or in the preaching of the word. And so we do praise and thank you. I do pray and commend myself to your grace. That Lord in my weakness may I know your strength and grace. And may I faithfully proclaim your word to your glory and praise. We pray and ask all these things through Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. If you do have your Bibles, please turn with me to the 23rd Psalm. I think you're always prepared during the week when you get the order of service, you would know where the preacher is preaching from. And I think myself and Brother Ndo, we are psalmists. Uh, we've, been we've taken you through the Psalms these past two Sundays. The last time I was here, I took you also through the Psalms. 
I was in Psalm 119, but I didn't get to finish my series. So I, hopefully your pastor would invite me more to preach and finish Psalm 119. But this morning we're fixing our attention in the 23rd Psalm. Uh, this beloved song of the shepherd about his shepherd, the Lord or Jehovah. A song that he composed reflecting on his life. Reflecting on how the Lord had dealt with him from the time of his calling to the time of his anointing as the king of the Lord's people. He considers how the Lord uh, had been his guide through the good and the difficult times. And so when he's writing this, he's not so much writing while he's in trouble, but he's writing now looking back and reflecting how the Lord had been walking with him, how the Lord had dealt with him. And when you think about the 23rd Psalm, I believe it is a Psalm that is more precious to many of us, if not all of us. I'm quite sure that there are a significant number of you that can testify that the 23rd Psalm is your favorite Psalm. Some of you, perhaps you have it in your fridges, the magnets, some of you, perhaps you might say, we have listened to a number of sermons. Some of you have gone on even to memorize the 23rd Psalm. To some of you, you can say it has been a source of encouragement through difficult times. That you have turned often to the 23rd Psalm to, to seek it as a source of encouragement. To some, you may say, it has been a means of restoring joy, perhaps in times of mourning. And so that's what we have in the 23rd Psalm. But listen to what Charles Spagen said about this Psalm. He said, this is the pale of Psalms whose soft and pure radiance delights every eye that tends to it. A pale of which a helicon need not to be ashamed. It's talking about that instrument that he says it not needs to be ashamed to sound forth its sound in this Psalm. And he says, though Jordan claims this, he says of this delightful song, it may be affirmed that it, its piety, its poetry are equal, its sweetness, its spirituality are unsurpassed. It is a golden psalm, I believe, to many of us. But having said that, as we turn back to my wife and I, uh, this psalm has been a fount of encouragement. But more so, it has been a wellspring of comfort and peace as we have been contemplating about the work to which God has called us to do, the work of church planting. We've engaged quite a lot in conversations, thinking through uh, the work to which we are called to do. And we, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we will tend to think about the 23rd Psalm, the Psalm of David, where he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we were drawn to tend to this psalm and to think of this psalm that we need not to worry. We need not to be anxious as a family. But where must we look to? Who must we trust? We must look to the Lord. We must trust the Lord as He is our shepherd, as He is the one who leads and guides us, that He providentially leads us, He provides for us, and He will protect us. Mm. And so we're made to be reminded that we are to look to Him, to trust in His faithfulness, that He will never, nor never fail us in His shepherding us. And so it's wonderful, I'll say to you once again, as this psalm is very familiar to us, let not us be indifferent to God's word, even as you've heard it a number of times. We're thankful that God's word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we believe, even this psalm once again, that the Lord will bring it to us with much freshness as we center our minds around it. Who does not need a shepherd? Who does not need someone to lead, to guide, to provide, to protect? No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, you always need someone to lead. You always need someone to guide. You always need someone to provide and to protect for you. And so this psalm is not relevant for only the older people. If you're young, this psalm is very relevant to you as well. That always, all people, we need someone to lead and to guide us. And I want to fix our attention in the remaining time we have. I want to walk us through this 23rd Psalm. But the first thing that I want us to note is David's profession. That's the first thing that we get, David's profession. The Lord is my shepherd. He begins by declaring his relationship with the Lord. Jehovah is my shepherd and the word shepherd there is ruler that's the word and that's the word that david uses he says jehovah is my ruler it is a personal relationship that exists between him and his maker we can talk about it to say jehovah is our shepherd but we need to boil it down to where david says i know him personally that he is my ruler he is my shepherd and to illustrate this or to bring this image to us, he uses this metaphor of the sheep and the shepherd. And this image to him, it was not abstract. It was not foreign to David, but it was something that was objective to him, something that was real to David, as he himself was the shepherd of the sheep. And so we see him taking this image, saying that, as he thinks about the relationship of the shepherd and the sheep, he says that's how he thinks about he himself and the Lord. He knows how intimate this relationship is. And when you think about him in 1 Samuel 17 verse 34, we are told that David was a shepherd. We read, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep the sheep for his father. In Psalm 78 we read, He chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following and nursing you. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people. So David understood what it meant to shepherd the sheep of God. 
He knew this calling very well. But particularly, he knew that it was a close and intimate relationship that exists between the shepherd and the sheep. And I love the words of Derek Kidner, one theologian who said, the shepherd lives with the flock and the shepherd is everything to the flock. He says that's what you can understand when you think about the sheep. That he lives amongst them and he is everything to the flock. And so therefore David using this image, he speaks of how the Lord had providentially cared for him. How the Lord had providentially laid him. How the Lord had providentially guided him. And when you think about this, even this image that he brings to us, is this image new to us in scripture? No, it's not. It has always been there in Scripture. In Psalm 78, in verse 52, pointing to how God's people had, uh, had, he had been led by God, by God, we read in Psalm 72, verse 52, He led out His people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness. This is referring to God. So we find this theme existing in the Old Testament. In Psalm 80 verse 1 we read, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who led Jacob like a flock. Isaiah 40 verse 11, we find it again, continuing Jeremiah 31 verse 10. And also even when we come to Ezekiel chapter 34, we see again this image emerging as the Lord was indicting his people. We had not led the shepherd well. And we read in Ezekiel chapter 34 in verses 11 and 12. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that, I've, that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. Again, when you read in verse 23, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And so we see this theme in the Old Testament. But also as we move on to the New Testament, we see the theme continuing. Who is the shepherd of God's people? Who leads and guides God's people? And we have the Lord Jesus Christ who said to us, He is the good shepherd of the sheep. When you read in John chapter 10 verse 11. And in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20, He is referred to as the great shepherd of the sheep. Again, you find the theme being brought out by the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter, verse two, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 25, when he's speaking about the, 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 the people that they had strayed like sheep, but now they've returned to the, uh, the shepherd, the overseer of their souls. And so here, when you think about even the number of texts that I've brought before us, one cannot fail to see of this relationship that exists between God and his people. Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God, was David's shepherd. He belonged to him. He pledged his allegiance to him as he's the author of all the blessings that he had enjoyed. He says, Jehovah is faithful, is kind, is loving, and is a caring shepherd 
That's what David testifies as he thinks about this relationship or as he brings this image to us. And when you think about it this morning, you and I, we need to ask ourselves, is Jehovah your shepherd? Can you firmly echo these words with the psalmist? Not you as collective, but you as an individual. Do you know this close and intimate relationship as David had with the Lord? That you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. That you can say, the Lord Jesus Christ is my shepherd. Do you know this relationship? If you are a believer in Christ and have placed your faith, your trust in his finished work, you can with confidence say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I can rest in him. But even before we move on, Christ is not everyone's shepherd. As I said, the word, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my ruler. Not everyone submits to the ruling of the Lord. Not everyone submits to the ruling of Christ. But Christ is only a shepherd to such a people like this. Christ is only a shepherd only to those who, touched with their sense of their own weaknesses and poverty, who feel their need of protection and who are willing to abide in his sheepfold and surrender to be governed to him. Only such are those to whom Christ is the shepherd. They're touched with the sense of their own weaknesses, their own need of Christ as the Lord, as the one who can shepherd them. And so for you, if you say Christ is your Savior and your Lord, therefore you can say he is my shepherd because as my king, he is my ruler. He's the one who guides and leads me. And so that's what we see first in David's professing or declaring that there is a relationship that exists. But secondly, let us note the shepherd's provision. And we begin to see it from uh, the second part of verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And here what David is doing now is amplifying what he, is, what he means. Rather by saying Jehovah is my shepherd. That he shall not want. The Lord is his guide. He lacks nothing. He shall not be in need because the shepherd is a faithful one who will care and provide for him. He supplies every need of his. He is unlimited in his supply. He will not withhold anything that will contribute to the delight of the sheep. He will supply every need of his flock. Why? Because he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider. Remember Genesis chapter 22 and verses 7 and 8. Abraham and Isaac. As Isaac said to his father, Behold the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And as his father responded, he said, God will provide for himself. God will see to himself that he provides. 
And later on, as you read the text, you find him saying, the Lord, the provider. He is the Jehovah Jireh. So when we think about the psalm, he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in need. He's saying, he is the Lord who sees to it that he provides for his people. He sees to it that he provides in all the needs of his people. In Psalm 34, in verses 9 and 10, the psalmist recounts the faithfulness of God. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. That's what David is talking about. Those who live under the fear of the Lord lacks no good thing. He is talking about the needs that which we need to live. That which you need to be nourished and to live lives that glorifies and honors the Lord. He's not talking about our wants. We need to be warned when he talk about the unlimited supply. But he's talking about the needs. That which we need, the Lord will see to it that he provides for us. He lacks no temporal need. He lacks no spiritual need. The Lord provides for him in his tender care, in leading and guiding him. What does he do? He, he makes him to lie down in green pastures. He leads him to the place of rest, to the place of refreshment. This is how good this shepherd is for David. He provides the best for him. He leads him, uh, he leads the sheep to the fresh green grass and still waters to provide rest and refreshment. One of the things that if you go and search about, uh, search about the sheep, I'm not sure if there's some who are acquainted about the sheep here, uh, that they do not drink from a flowing stream. They need the waters to be calmed such that they can drink. And so you can think in the image that he says, the Lord leads me to the place of rest. He says, I lie down or I stretch out myself in the green grass. When you think about the sheep. And so this is the rest and the refreshment that the Lord does provide for his people. Ezekiel 34 verse 14, we have the same. The text that I referred to just earlier on saying the Lord was indicting the shepherds, the under shepherds who had not shepherded the people well. The shepherds had not led the sheep to the green pastures. But the Lord says of himself in Ezekiel 34 verse 14, I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture, they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. The other shepherds can fail, but he himself cannot fail us as our shepherd. Yes. Is it not what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Is it not what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ that we find rest and refreshment? Come all unto me who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Jesus is our shalom. He is our peace. And when you think about the pastures through which Christ leads us, what are these pastures? The scriptures are the pastures to which a believer is led to where the believer must come and feed every day. 
and find rest and satisfaction. There is no other pasture to which you can go to, but only the Word of God. These are the pastures that are sufficient for us, that we need to be tending to each and every day of our lives as a source of nourishment, as a source by which we find rest and refreshment. And so it is the pastures of the Word that we rest in, in God's promises, in all that God has said to us. How do we know? It is these pastures to which we come to, we find the promises of God, to which we rest assured that the Lord indeed is our shepherd. And so even as he goes on in his firm and faithful dealings with him as a shepherd, he says in verse 3, he restores my soul. Christ does not leave his sheep to wander. And the tendency of the sheep is to wander and to stray. Remember Isaiah 53 and verse 6, all like sheep we have gone astray. His own way. And in Psalm 119, 176, the psalmist also confesses that. He says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Sheep is prone to wander. It's prone to go off way. Even in 1 Peter 2 verse 25. But the Lord's leading his sheep. He turns them back. He restores them. That's the way that we have. When he says he restores. He says he returns me to himself. He returns his people to himself. But even as you think of the Lord has got different kinds of sheep, isn't it? He has got the lost sheep that he needs to seek after. He has got the weak sheep that he needs to strengthen. He has got the wounded sheep that he needs to bind up. And all these, they are met in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who seeks after the lost sheep. He's the one who goes after the strange sheep. He's the one who binds up the injured sheep. He's the one who strengthens the weak sheep. And so David says he restores my soul. And even when you think about the usage of this word, to return, it means also to repent. Mm -hmm. If you read in, in Hosea 14 verse 1 and Joel 2 verse 12, it means to return to the Lord, to repent. And so when you think about this restoration, it is the deep renewal of the man of God, who is spiritually perverse, being called back to the Lord. It is God restoring him to the right path putting him back in the right way. And so that's what we can think of, that the Lord also as he guides and leads us, he does not leave us to do as we please, but he restores us even when we wander off. He returns us unto himself. But in his returning us, he does it for his own glory. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He does it for his own character. If he fails to do so, then his name will be blasphemed. And so he does it for his own glory. The other under-shepherds can fail to go after the lost sheep. They can fail to heal the wounded sheep. They can fail even to strengthen the weak sheep. But the Lord Jesus Christ will never fail. He is a faithful shepherd. And so he restores our souls for his own glory. And so that's what we have when David is confessing that the Lord is his Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is his provider. 
And that leads me to my third point, the shepherd's protection. In verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As we enjoy God's provision, we also enjoy God's protection. And that's what we see in verse 4. Though Christians live under the protection of Christ, we are still exposed to many dangers. As the rest of mankind, we encounter afflictions, we encounter hard times, we encounter difficult times. And what he means there, the extreme danger that comes at us when he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's speaking about the extreme danger. As the sheep is weak, is vulnerable, is exposed to many dangers. And so we as God's people, even as we enjoy God's protection, we do find ourselves in times of adversity. We do find ourselves in difficult times. But what is important to realize for us is that our shepherd protects us and defends us. That's what is important for us to note. He protects and defends us. And note the psalmist, he says, there is fortitude in the Lord Jesus Christ. I will fear no evil. I am fortified in the Lord Jesus Christ, even through such adversities. I am fortified in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the hand that guides me into the dark valleys will guide me up and out of the valleys. And so he has no need to fear. He's fortified in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, Christ in him, I'm fortified, but also I find him as my fortress. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These are the means through which the Lord guides his people, the rod to strike and the staff to bring back the sheep. And so he says, I have my fortitude in the Lord Jesus Christ and also I find him as my fortress. That's the language of God's people. That's the language of everyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think, even in Psalm 138, verse 7, the psalmist says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You go on even in Psalm 27, in verse 1. A psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If we have such a shepherd, we need not to fear. But yours is fortitude in him. We can go on as well, on and on. But think about even David himself. He never had it easy in his life. But he went through times of adversity, times of difficulty. He was confronted with dangers all around him from outside, being sought after by Saul. At once he held a spear at him. He was constantly in flight. That was the life of David before he was anointed as king, constantly running. But even worse, he had danger from within. He was chased by his own dear son, Absalom. But all this did not detain him. 
In the end, he could testify to say he founded his fortitude in the Lord because he was his fortress. And so he could pen down to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Is this not what we enjoy as the people of the Lord Jesus Christ? We find ourselves shielded and protected by Him. As those who are vulnerable, as those who are weak, as those who are insecure. But yet Christ is always close unto us. And perhaps this morning I do not know the valley through which you are going through. I do not know the afflictions, the troubles, the difficulties that you are going through. But what I can say to you is to say, look to your shepherd. He is faithful in leading, in guiding, in providing, and in protecting you as his sheep. Christ, by his power, he protects us. Why? Because our lives are hidden with him in God. With Christ as our shepherd, the trusting soul enters the gloomy gorge only to emerge into the brighter day of immortality. That's what we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ gives rest to those who follow him. Faith in his word, in his love and power gives comfort to a believer during adversity. Beloved, you must cast yourself on your shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, to overcome fear and all the temptation that may come. But see what even the Lord did to David in verse 5. He prospered him, didn't he? You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The Lord gave him in abundance. As the set apart one, as the anointed one of the Lord, he was well taken care of. Is it not what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ? In him we have been blessed beyond measure. Think about the words of the Apostle Paul to the Romans. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all. Stops there. Does it? It does not stop there. How will he not also with him give us all things? What a wonderful promise we have. Or even the words of the Apostle Paul to the Philippians. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. No need to worry. No need to fear. No need to be anxious. But to trust in your shepherd. And what is the ultimate end of this? The beginning is the Lord who leads and guides and shepherds his people. And what is the ultimate end? The fulfillment is this in verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And David concludes by an undoubting profession. He has began by professing. He ends by an undoubting profession. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He says, goodness and mercy are the two anchors to which I hold on to and walk. This shall guide me to the end, 
to which the Lord has prepared for me. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you can see this idea of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. It was always the psalmist's desire. As you read the Psalms, the idea of dwelling in the temple or in the house of the Lord. Psalm 84 verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord in his temple. You can read that in Psalm 26 and verse 8 and also in Psalm 65 verse 4. But that was always the psalmist's desire. And it is the desire of every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the ultimate end to which we look forward to? Is it not dwelling in the presence of Christ? Is it not beholding his glory? Seeing him face to face? That's also the ultimate end of the Lord's shepherding, that we may be one day in his presence, where we need not to worry, where we need not to be anxious or be troubled about anything. But we know that the Lord himself now dwelling in his presence, we have enjoyed now the fullness of all that we were looking forward to. And so he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. And the word follow is to say, shall chase after me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so this is the ultimate, the ultimate fulfillment. The destination is that we'll remain in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being in his presence where there is refreshment, where there is rest, where there is relief, and where there is rejoicing always. And that's should be the longing of you and I this morning. And so as I conclude, if Christ is such a faithful shepherd, what implication does it have to us? And I've got one implication. It calls us to trust and to rest in him. Are you trusting? As you say, he's your shepherd. Are you resting in him? Even if there's much difficulty, even if there's much trouble, do you trust that you will never fail you? Pastor Joe can fail. I can fail. But there's a one who can never fail you as your shepherd. The one to whom you can trust to all eternity. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in him that I will leave you to say, look to him, trust him as your shepherd. Let's pray. A great and glorious God, what a great privilege that we can be brought to think about this psalm, to think about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our shepherd. We thank you for his shepherding us and guiding us. We thank you for his faithfulness and his tender care and love.